is Seattle's Morning News. I'm Travis Mayfield in for Dave Ross, along with Colleen O'Brien and Chris Sullivan. It's that time of year when we all need to be extra proactive in our finances. CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger is here. Jill, let's start with some big changes coming for 2023 that will potentially impact us and need to start thinking about now. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because we complain about inflation all the time. You're going to be happy about the impact of inflation when it comes to tax time. And here's why. So one of the things that happens in the tax code is there are certain aspects of it that adjust automatically with the inflation rate. So, for example, the standard deduction. Now, you know, the standard deduction is how 90 percent of the people who are tax filers out there file that their their uh, taxes. And, you know, this year, meaning here in 2020, when you filed your standard deduction, there was a generalized amount of $25,900 if you were married filing jointly. If you were single, it was just under $13,000, So what happens next year, which is kind of interesting, is that the standard deduction starts to change. It gets bigger. And that's really what is important because some people have said to me, like, hey, you know, like uh, my standard deduction amount, that's going to be really different because I, you know, maybe I won't be able to do it because what happened. What, but meanwhile, it has changed and it allows more people to claim the standard deduction. So this year for 2023 coming up, uh, you got it's up to it's the deduction is $27,700 for individuals. It's 13,850. So all these things are just like helpful. It's like, oh, a bigger amount of a deduction. Also, what's helpful is the amount of income on which you're taxed, those brackets, right? 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35. Those have different parameters based on how much money you make, right? And so so the the parameters of income on which your those tax rates are applied has increased. So that's what you need to know. Like those are the big things. Also, we know that the uh, IRS was able to increase the amount of money that goes into an employer based retirement plan. So if you got a four hundred one k or four hundred three b, you can put twenty two thousand five hundred dollars in there, which is a lot. I know a lot of people can't do that. It's twenty thousand five hundred right now, and the uh, amount of money you can put in as a someone over the age of fifty for a catch up contribution also goes up to seventy five hundred. So what does that all leave you with? You can put a lot more money away. More of your income is going to stay taxed at the bracket you're probably in unless you've got a massive raise. And uh, life is good for you, um, except that, you know, maybe you need to really think about other parts of your retirement account and other parts of your financial planning because you only have a few weeks to do so. It's been a rough year financially, at least the last six to eight months for a lot of folks. I mean, we're talking about potentially lower incomes. There have been folks who've lost incomes, investment losses as well. What's your advice if at the end of the year and you're doing your planning, you've had a disruption or a change or a loss in whatever form of income or, uh, you know, investment that you might have. You know what? I think that for the investment stuff, it's a little bit easier. So let me kind of deal with that first. So let's just say you are the kind of person who's like, oh, I had a stimulus check. I didn't really know what to do with it. I threw it into an investment account and, uh, you know, I bought some crypto nonsense. Okay. We'll get to that in a second. But let's say you did that and you have a huge loss. If you sell the thing that you bought this year for a loss, you actually can use that loss as a tax advantage. You can take a loss and apply it against any gain you've taken earlier this year. If you've got more losses than gains, you're able to deduct up to $3,000 against your tax liabilities. That's kind of good against ordinary income. 
If you have a loss when it comes to a job loss, if you have a loss when it comes to a income loss, or maybe it's let's make a little bit rosier. Maybe you decided that you're in a two family household and you don't have to work as much. And so one person's out of the household. This is a very good time to look ahead. It's a good time for you to say, well, are we doing what we should be doing? Have we put aside enough money? If you're thinking like, well, wait a second, what I thought I was going to be in a great shape because there was going to be $10,000 of student loans erased. Now I don't know. I would suggest that as you go back and look through this year and project forward, this is the time where you actually do look at what do we need to think about for next year? How are we going to build our financial lives in 2023? What is the plan that's in place? If maybe one of you is staying home with a kid, same thing. How are we going to, or, or you, you want to, how can we prepare for that? These are all things that take a little more than a little bit of work because it means you have to actually look at your budget and you have not budget. Cash flow. Let's call it cash flow. You have to look at how much money you're spending. You have to look, try to right size the income and the expenses. You just have to. The, I'm not going to tell you how much you spend. I don't really care. It just has to be that you're living within your means. You said it. Crypto nonsense. Every morning I wake up and there is a new crypto non. That's that's what it is in my brain. It's just white noise. But here's my concern: is that it actually is going to impact me, and I'm not going to realize it because I just look at it and think crypto nonsense. Can you bring us up to speed? Is the world melting down? Is it going to affect my finances? No, let's move on. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, next. Uh, Listen, um, some people have been describing this FTX thing, which is, you know, the best way to think about it. It's like it's a remember the scene and it's a wonderful life, which we're all going to watch 25 times between now and the end of the year. Yes. And there's like a scene and they go to the bank. And they, George Bailey says, oh, no, your money is in his house and your money's in this. It's like a house of cards yes. a little bit. Yep. Well, that is how banks work. Like they take deposits, then they lend them out. That's how a bank works. With FTX, it looks like they took money in, they paid it out, and they kept using the money they that from one to pay another company, to cover the losses in another company. Now, I don't know if there's fraud or not, but this company's collapse should have an absolutely zero impact on anyone's life. The crypto industry has gone from a valuation of about $3 trillion to $1 trillion. By the way, it's just not that big compared to like what's going on in the universe of investing. So if the entire crypto universe fell apart tomorrow and the value went from $3 trillion a year ago to zero, it would have zero impact on anyone's real lives. There is no big investment bank that's going to go under. If FTX went broke, if Coinbase went broke, if Bitcoin itself went to zero, nobody would – it would not matter. And by the way, for all the crypto people who are listening and are mad at me, I don't really look at Twitter anymore anyway, so you can say mean things. Um, you reap what you sow, as my 98-year-old mother-in-law used to say. You knew that you were investing in something very risky – You thought that you wanted deregulation. You wanted a non-regulated entity. And this is what you get when you have no regulation of something. So you want a decentralized financial system? Good luck. CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. In the spirit of our 34th annual holiday magic campaign to support Treehouse for Foster Kids, we're bringing you their stories. Cairo News Radio's Heather Bosch tells us about a foster mom who says Treehouse made all the difference. When Tiffany Gorski first met the 15-year-old girl who would become her foster daughter... I I saw 
all of the potential that she had in her. And I wanted to be able to give her a stable environment that could really help her unlock all of the potential that she was just holding on to and couldn't unleash because of her instability. Gorski says Treehouse helped her provide that stability. For instance, her daughter had been in and out of several homes and therefore several schools, which can make education a challenge. But a lot of kids go to the same school. They get to know the administration. They get to know their teachers. Kids in foster care, when they're having to jump around from school to school, building relationships can be very difficult. And knowing how to approach situations in the different environments can be difficult to figure out how to navigate. So Treehouse assigned her daughter an education advocate. They stepped in and they were huge helps in talking with the school administration, helping her find different ways to to complete assignments so that she could be successful. Gorski says Treehouse not only supported her daughter's education, but helped her with what Gorski calls life skills, like learning to drive. That sounds pretty basic, but for a foster kid, she says it's huge. And whether it be to get to work or to school or to stay connected with friends and family members. Treehouse paid for her daughter's driver's ed and car insurance. As a social worker herself, Gorski knows the nonprofit's dedication to foster children. They do so many things for foster kids. It's just unreal. Seeing firsthand the nonprofit support her daughter's education, grow her skills and confidence. It's just, uh, there's no words for it. It's just absolutely amazing to see all of the success she's having and all of the things that she's accomplishing. She's just, she's such an amazing kid. Just having people believe in her has really shown what she's really capable of. Heather Bosch, Cairo News Radio. And we hope you will join Cairo News Radio and Treehouse for a 34th year of holiday magic, helping provide holiday gifts and your long support for kids and youth in foster care statewide. So here's how you can help. Text MAGIC to 888-973-5476 or head to MyNorthwest.com slash Holiday Magic to learn more. It's a great event every year, and our listeners are always so generous. We have a goal in mind, so if you go to that website, you'll see the goal. We hope you can help. Uh, I was just visiting the Treehouse store where kids can go and pick up items um, to their liking, clothing, decor, toys, all of that. And they said whether it's $5 or if you're a monthly donator, like all of it helps. The need is especially big this year coming out of the pandemic, so we could really use your help. Send us a text or donate online. A sharp rise in the number of organized retail theft prosecutions in King County. Hannah Scott has this morning's Crime and Punishment. This week, instead of sentencings, we are taking a look at several upcoming arraignments for folks suspected of being involved in some of the biggest crimes impacting our area, including organized retail theft. Expected in court about an hour from now is Joseph William Atwood. He's charged with organized retail theft in the first degree. According to police, between August 3rd and November 4th, investigators say he stole more than $45,000 worth of items from one Sephora store in Kirkland. This was the store uh, at Totem Lake. He also, at the time that we filed this, had multiple um, theft cases ongoing in Seattle Municipal Court and also, multiple cases out of Linwood Muni Court and a case in Puyallup. So we, we showed all of that to the judge and said, you know, there are active cases here. He has two active warrants. This is somebody who we don't believe is going to follow court orders. Um, and he remains in the King County Jail because of this 
felony case. Casey McNurthy with the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office says this case is one of dozens of organized retail theft cases filed by their office this year. Through the end of November, we at the King County Prosecutor's Office have charged 74 cases of organized retail theft, and that's exactly double the number in all of 2021, which was 37 cases. Uh, and there's still a month left in 2022, so you know that number is going to go up. Um, that both shows the severity of, of the problem, but also the focus that King County prosecutors have. And he says more help could be on the way. Recently, Attorney General Bob Ferguson asked state lawmakers to provide a million and a half dollars for an organized retail crime task force. And on that uh, task force would be two people from the King County Prosecutor's Office. The first is Patrick Hines, who's the head of the Economic Crimes Unit. And the second is Nicole Lawson, who filed this case out of Sephora and really is an expert in the office on organized retail theft. She every week is, is on the phone with the city attorney's office to coordinate uh, with them on, on the frequent flyers we see, the, the repeat offenders, um, and combining some of those misdemeanor cases to uh, hold people at the felony level. Uh, and it really is just familiar with these names because she and Patrick are also talking to businesses, large and small, all throughout King County. And we'll keep doing that because we hear businesses. It's a big concern. We don't want people to leave uh, Seattle or King County. And, and really, this organized retail theft has to be addressed. And that's you know why we're thankful for the efforts of the Attorney General, Bob Ferguson, and the, you know, the collaborative effort to try to address this. Another crime that's been a growing problem, stolen vehicles. Also scheduled to be in court this morning is Mary Ellen Brotman, who's charged with another uh, stolen vehicle case. Uh, she's been charged with four other possession of stolen vehicle uh, charges and also a commercial burglary. Um, King County prosecutors argued that she's not likely to follow court orders. And, and we asked for a high bail of $25,000, explaining that this is not the first case or even the second or third case. In case he says this case actually highlights a couple of things. One is that King County prosecutors are consistently in court arguing for high bails when people are clearly committing repeat offenses. Uh, but also it shows that it's difficult to get judges to hold people um, even repeat offenders on high bail amounts. And that's because they have to hear from both sides, prosecutors and defense. And we routinely hear from defense the argument that it's just property. But that can be pretty insulting to the person whose property is taken, particularly when you have somebody like this case, somebody who is charged with multiple felonies, who police believe is out committing multiple felony level crimes, when you look at the totality of the facts, you know, each case is individual, but you need to also look at the other ongoing cases and ongoing police investigations. That's why, why we want to bring that to a judge to try to counter that it's just property argument, because it may just be property, but this is, you know, one, two, three, four, and onward cases. The other major problem gripping our area, drugs. Even though there aren't big announcements about the ongoing efforts from Seattle police and prosecutors uh, around drug dealing at 3rd and Pike in downtown Seattle, it is still a focus. Um, scheduled to be in court just this morning is Claude Henry, who's a guy who is charged with fentanyl delivery near 3rd and Pike um, to an undercover SPD officer. And he was also according to investigators, armed with a handgun when when he was moving those drugs at Third and Pike. Not uncommon in these type of cases for this area. In about a third of the cases that we see of people charged with drug dealing, we also see people who are illegally possessing handguns. And we charge those those 
crimes too when we have the evidence to do so. This is a person in this current case who also had a warrant at a Fife Muni court. Um, he remains in jail now on $20,000 bail because King County prosecutors argued, you know, this is somebody who has a pattern of not following court orders and has been told by judges multiple times not to have a gun and he still did and had, according to police, 128 fentanyl uh, pills uh, called blues. That, that's what they're commonly called on the street. And, you know, and, and that handgun, that's a big concern. And as fentanyl-related overdose deaths continue to climb in the county, Casey says it's important that the public know they aren't letting up. Almost every day we're charging these drug dealing cases, and it's not cases of, you know, high school kids with a single joint or two. What, what we're talking about are these fentanyl cases, and it's going to be a continued effort, even if you don't hear about it in the routine press conferences that, that we're sometimes accustomed to. Seattle police are still doing good work to try to address these people who, in many cases, are, are armed like this one, uh, when they're also uh, um, accused of moving fentanyl. Hannah Scott. Cairo News Radio. Beautiful. Thank you. Your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. Speaking about looking for humanity, a generous TikToker helped an 81-year-old woman finally retire. Devin uploaded a video of a Walmart employee and octogenarian Nola Carpenter after spotting her in the break room. It's stunning to see somebody still at her age working because she has a mortgage and couldn't afford to retire. A little over a week after that 15-second video from the break room, it went viral. Followers urging the TikToker to start using a gun GoFundMe for her, and he did. It quickly reached more than $110,000. So he set up a meeting with Nola and surprised her with the money. I started a GoFundMe page. A lot of supporters that started following me wanted to try and help you retire. They saw that you're a very hard worker, obviously, and we are all super proud of you. And we wanted to offer you $110,000 that has been raised for you, if you're willing to accept. Obviously, she had no idea it was coming. And she's clearly a bit confused as he's talking. Here's this stranger, a teenager, talking about TikTok and that she's getting $110,000. She says something next that shows she hasn't quite grasped the amount of money coming her way. All of the funds will be given directly to you and to your account. Okay. Are you willing to accept it? I'd accept it, but uh, I'd still have to work till I get the other 70000 or <laughs> 60000 paid oh. off the house. I mean, she is focused on retirement and paying off her mortgage. Well, luckily, the GoFundMe continues. It's now up to 186000 from more than 13,000 people donating more than enough money to pay off her mortgage and retire now. According to CBS News, with Walmart's average wage at $19 per hour, an additional 60000 would have taken her several more years of 40-hour work weeks. And according to a September 2021 Boston College study, 36% of older Americans don't have the savings to take care of themselves for even a year of retirement. But now NOLA can enjoy retirement thanks to the TikTok generation. Mm, That's so fantastic. 13,000 people. Yeah. You know, those GoFundMes are incredible. The way you go, yeah, I can pay $5 to help this woman retire. Right. Hard worker. Good for her. Yeah. Good for him. And now from the G and Ursula show weekdays, nine to noon here on Cairo News Radio. The one, the only, the 
incomparable G. Scott. Man, you made that sound so good. Your it, prediction uh, was basically right. You, remember on Friday you were like, they're going to win. Seahawks are going to win. Yeah. 31-23. Uh-huh. What was the score? It was uh-huh. 27-23. You were so close. You were like right there. I mean, it's just that 31 number, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, keep, keep it's like when you find that number that works for you, keep using it. It's like roulette. You know what? <laughs> Since we're on numbers, let's talk about that. Yeah. Right? And then we can talk about numbers. First of all, the Seattle Seahawks, it is always a beautiful thing when they win, right? Mm-hmm. It's just just makes it just makes your coffee yeah. on Monday morning taste a lot better. Yeah. The Seahawks right now are seven and five. Um, but here's what's to come. The Seahawks have five regular season games left. Of those five, four of them are gonna be at home at Lumen Field. Ooh, How I like about that. that? Yeah. This weekend they got the Carolina Panthers coming into town, yeah. right? By the way, about five minutes ago, the Carolina Panthers just released their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. What? Yeah. Why did they do this? Yeah. No, I know that name. Yeah, Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. He used to, he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He was with the Cleveland Browns. Then he got over there to the Carolina Panthers. He was supposed to get ready to save them. No, he gets cut. Here's oh, my wow. point down where I'm going. Yeah. Geno Smith yeah. needs a new contract, not yeah. now, but right now. Yeah. You guys okay with numbers? Yes. Geno Smith currently makes, he'll make $3.5 million a season. And so you guys are saying, well, gee, that's a lot of money. No, that seems low for a quarterback. (laughs) Let me give you some more numbers. Yeah. Geno Smith has thrown for 22 touchdowns this season. Wow. Another quarterback, which is going to make some really, really good money this year. He's this other quarterback is going to make forty nine million dollars this year. He has thrown for eight touchdowns this year. His name is Russell Wilson. Uh oh. Mm. So when I tell you it is time for my man to get paid, it's time for him to get paid. Yeah. Not now, but right now. Here's another quarterback who's going to make some money uh, this year. Matthew Stafford. The Rams? Yeah. He'll make $61 million this year. Wow. Question for you. Who would you take right now? Matthew Stafford or Geno Smith? Oh, Geno Smith. Smith. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Here's one for you. This quarterback will make $46 million this year. His name is Deshaun Watson. Let me ask you, who would you take? Deshaun Watson or Geno <laughs> Smith? Geno Smith. Yeah. 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 So what, I mean, obviously they were, they were going, okay, let's try it out. Let's see how this goes. It goes well. Is there any contract? Like, are they going to give him a contract soon? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm letting you guys know. Yeah. This has been my thing on social media now. And it's from here on out. Pay that man. Yeah. Right. Pay that man. The city of Seattle right now, if you're a Seahawk fan, let's be real. At the beginning of the season, you heard what the experts said. They yeah. said you guys are going to be no good. Yeah. They said you guys are going to make the playoffs. This is going to happen. This is Russell going over to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are going to be a Super Bowl contender. The Denver Broncos right now are three and nine. They're yeah. three and nine. Oh, by the way, thank you. Because the worse they do, the better the, the pick <laughs> is going to be. And just so you guys know, there's a very, very, very high percentage chance that the Seahawks are going to get anywhere between the two or number four pick because of how terrible the Broncos oh my are doing. So, hey, by the way, can I bring you went into like your auctioneer mode when you were talking about Geno Smith just there. So I want you to be there when he's negotiating his contract. <laughs> I need you to be like, Geno Smith no, is going to turn him up. So this is what happened. Geno Smith is right 
there. He's in right there. Right with yeah. Geno Smith. Geno Smith's all right now at three and a half. He's at three and a half million. He's at three and a half million. Bam, we get up five. Five million. Now seven and a half. Seven and a half. Now ten million. Ten million. Bit twenty. Twenty million. Bit thirty. Thirty million. Bit thirty-five. Thirty-five. Bit forty. Yes. He's at forty million dollars, and I just got started. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I apologize. I know you're like, what is G on this morning? I'm going to simplify it, and I'm being serious. Caffeine, I see. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Geno Smith was in a situation where the vast majority of people were like, this dude is no good, including NFL experts. Yeah. And so my thing is, is that's fine. But if he comes here and he outplays what he's supposed to do, and he is doing so well, then let's not wait for, for the end of the season. Let's pay that man right now. That's the right thing. Geno Smith deserves it. Now, I know the Seahawks are mad at me like, gee, quit trying to spend our money. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I got to call it what it is. This dude has thrown 22 touchdowns and only has six interceptions on the seasons. And, by the way, you saw that comeback that they did last yesterday yeah. Yeah. against the Rams down in L.A. It is now time to give Geno Smith his money. And there's a lot of people that you're at your job right now, and your employer says to you, oh, Jackie, I just want you to know we love you. Charles, I just want to let you know we love you. Okay, uh, can I get a raise? Yeah. Well, <laughs> show me the show, money. Show me the money. Yeah. So if you're at work right now, and your boss tells you they love you, but they don't want to give you no raise, they don't love you. Yeah. Yeah. And there it is. There it is. Love it. G. Scott. Mic drop. We love it. <laughs> Nine to noon, right here on Cairo News Radio. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to the show's podcast. We're happy you're here. And you can keep up with the show and find some of the stories from today online at MyNorthwest.com.